Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Last year I spoke, actually my New Year's first message of the New Year was from Luke 13. And uh, it was from the parable actually where Jesus talked about a story about a man at a vineyard and in the middle of the vineyard he had a fig tree and it didn't bear any fruit. And the owner of the vineyard was, said, cut it down. And the husband man, which is a picture of Christ, said, no, no, don't cut it down. Give me a year. And I, I was challenging our congregation this service last year to let 2020 be a year of believing God and trusting God for fruit in your life. And to set a course that you would say, because many of us, many Christians can have many seasons. This particular fig tree here was three years without any fruit in it. But there's a sense of confidence in the voice of the husband man that give me a year, I can fix it. And I challenged you and I challenged myself that, and who was to know that we were going to come into a pandemic? Who knew that at that time we were facing a whole change in our life? But the emphasis was right. The emphasis was that we would go to God and trust God to produce fruit in our lives. And I pray that the last 12 months of your life, regardless of whatever has happened in our world today, it doesn't stop you and I from bearing fruit. Amen? Nor is there any excuse for it because God is there working and willing his good work in your life. But I was asking the Lord about today and and I was led again to a a passage of scripture that I've preached on many, many times But I can't help but go back to it again this morning. And I was a little reluctant to go back because on the face of it, it could appear a harsh message when we're all in trouble and trauma at the moment. And that's the last thing a minister wants to bring. I don't want to bring, I don't want to be purveyor of of guilt on people or putting people under some sort of yoke. But I felt impressed by the Lord anyhow. Despite other things coming against me saying, don't do it, I felt the Lord bring me back again. And it's actually... Back into the book of Haggai, I preached it a few years ago here again, but again, it was just thoughts from Haggai that began to permeate my own heart. And the book, the prophet Haggai, he's speaking into a time when Israel had basically come back from their captivity. They'd been 70 years in Babylon now. Now they're back in their own land and they're back in Jerusalem. They're there now 16 years and, and God has been faithful. God said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be in captivity because of your disobedience of your fathers and your forefathers. You're going to be in captivity. But, and I'm going to teach you many great lessons there, but I'm going to bring you back and restore you back into the land. And, and that, was, that was prophetic. That was true to the very day. 70 years to the very day, friends. Uh, King Cyrus makes a decree and he lets the Jews return back to their homeland, which is an amazing thing. Then Cyrus dies, Cyrus dies, and Darius comes to power, and his benevolence is still flowing towards the kingdom and allows the Jews to settle. But there's something that happens in the Jewish heart. That <clears throat> indifference and uh, selfishness becomes, you know, seizes them. Instead of being full of gratitude and, and see the opportunity ahead of them, they, they, they end up being more self-preserving and about themselves. And that's probably the, the very kernel of every Christian, every, every person. It's not just Christian. We battle with an inerrant selfishness, a self-preservation, look after number one. Uh, we have, you know, we can have levels of generosity, but there's fallback lines this far and no further. And I believe God is calling us to move beyond those barriers now as, as a church, to move into a selfless way of living, 
to, particularly when we're coming possibly into the end game here, friends, where who knows, maybe we or our children may see the return of Christ. We are certainly in a time of sorrow in this world. And the natural unction of people is to retreat, is to pull back, you know. And uh, let me just give you a reading here from the book of Haggai, chapter 1. There's only a few chapters here. First one, in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, governor of Judea, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, The people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, is it time for yourself to dwell in your own paneled house and while the temple lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up the mountain and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Verse 12, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord, as the, as, as the Lord their God has sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I want you to hear this. I am with you, says the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetil, the governor of Judea, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, and on the 24th day of the sixth month of the second year of King Darius. I, you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> uh, every minister is scrambling and has been scrambling to find a New Year's emphasis, a thought from the scripture. This is possibly the only message that we know in the Bible that was actually preached on a New Year's Eve. The, the date corresponds in our calendar to uh, the 29th of August. I have it written down here somewhere. The 29th of August is the corresponding date, 520 BC. 29th of August. Now, you said that's not a new year, but it's the eve of the Jewish new year. Not of our Gregorian calendar. It's the eve of the Jewish new year. And I was just thinking, uh, what, a, what a poignant message to the nation of Israel who've had just a tremendous testimony. Now, friends, it may not mean a lot to many of us, but if you can only cast your mind back, as I said, to the history to the promises of God. God told them, he prophesied that this is going to happen. You're going to be brought back to your own homeland. I'm going to restore you. And so they have an, they have an epic testimony. They know the presence of God and yet eating bread is soon forgotten. It's so easy for that selfish nature to rise up. And so here on the eve of a Jewish new year, Haggai comes with this prophetic word to the people. And of course, the people have fallen into sort of their own theological views of, everybody, of everything. You know, everybody is an opinion. Everybody has a view of when you should and when you shouldn't, you know. And, and, and so there's this sort of, well, it's not the right time now to be preaching. That's basically the attitude. It's not the right time to be doing the, the work of God. There's other more fundamental things at play here. 
And so they, they, this is the heart of the people, even though they know the call of God, they know the restoration of God, they know the provision of God, miracle upon miracle has happened to bring them back to their homeland. And yet, you know, they're in this place where it's not the right time. And I want to tell you, you know, you need to challenge that when it starts to take hold of your heart. It's not the right time, people say. This is not the time for the Lord's house to be built. And so the Lord goes on and begins to describe their lives. He says, you know, you, you go on and you, you, you've sown much and you have brought in little. He says, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink and you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them into a bag with holes. He's really talking about the more you have left the purposes of God, the more frustrated you've become. It's amazing the frustration that comes into our lives when we lose our focus as Christians. All of a sudden we scramble for wages, we scramble for food, we scramble for houses. And yet the work, the, the very call on our lives, we're never going to be happy people. We're never going to be fulfilled until we first of all fulfill our obligation to the Lord, which is to preach the gospel. Never, once we lose that purpose as a Christian, we scramble around for the beggarly elements of this world, friends, which bring no hope with them. And it paints a picture of a Jewish people, of God's people, who are living in total frustration. And I, I begin to look at my own life, how easy it is for me to pull back, how easy it is for you to pull back, how easy it is to make excuses when it's not the right time at the moment. I just had a baby. It's not the right time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fighting to pay the bills. I can barely make my mortgage. It's not the right time. I could lose my job next week. It's not the right time right now. We're in a pandemic. Maybe in August we can start sharing the gospel. Now it's the time for us to build our paneled houses and just kind of board ourselves up and pull back in and recluse back into our shell. I want to tell you, if you succumb, when we succumb, because we all do in part, friends, we end up frustrated, friends. We have never enough. Always looking over our shoulders or enough in the cupboards. Will the, will the pandemic payment come through? Will I be made unemployed? Can I sustain my, my mortgage? All these, and they're good questions. There's nothing wrong with them, friends. But they remove you from proper concentration. We are the, we are the soldiers of the Lord. We are the light of the world. We have a testimony. Every Christian, every blood-washed man and woman this morning listens to this message. If you know the Lord, you've been brought out of Babylon, friends. You've been brought into the house of God. Brought into a purpose. Now your life has true meaning. I look around and I see people that, and who don't know the Lord. They know no better, friends. Life to them is what they can accumulate. Life to them is how much they can have for their retirement. And, you know, goodness gracious me, is that what it is all about? You get to your retirement, you've got a few years with a bit of money, but no health, and you die. And you leave this world with no sense of true fulfillment because you missed the call. You've missed the call. The Bible says, he who regards the wind will not sow, and he who regards the rain will not reap. And there's this mentality, oh, it's not the right time, friends. It's always the right time to share the gospel. It's always the right time for us to have proper concentration. Because we are the light of the world. This is the plan of God. And yet these people, they were, they were so drifting away from the purposes of God. Maybe later. Let me do this. Let me do that. You know, man came to Jesus and he said, Master, I'll follow you wherever you go. He says, okay, he says, he said, come follow me. He said, well, first let me go bury my father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said, let the dead bury the dead, but you follow me. 
And you know, that may sound harsh, friends, but sometimes we need to have a focus point that we need to be harsh. We need to be, have the, the, the scalpel. There needs to be the wound of a friend to go right and tackle the issue that sometimes it's our own selfishness and unbelief that rob us and end us and keep us in a prison of our own making. And this is where Israel was at. But thanks be to God, when we get to these places, there is that wonderful paracletus, friends. There is that wonderful third person of the triune God who comes and stirs up the spirit, amen. And so he stirred up the spirit of Haggai to bring this prophetic message. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You know, and if we're going to go into 2021, 20, I did think about that for a moment. The same way as we entered another new year with just platitudes, you know, phrases that means they're true, but they don't really mean anything to you. There's no, there's no retraction to them. If that's the way we're going to live, friends, we're going to throw the same miserable excuses of why we can coil up and retract. I, I, I want to challenge you. You're going to have another 2020. It's going to be another year of the same, friends. It's going to be another year. But if this could be a year that we hear the word of the Lord when Haggai says, and the word of the Lord said to Haggai, consider your ways, go up the mountain. That's always a caricature for the Christian to go back to the cross. If there's ever been a time for you and I to have proper concentration, it's now, friends. This is the moment. This is the hour that God would have you and I have a concentration solely upon Christ. I love that last song. When I was a child, I didn't like that song. You know, when I was a young Christian, it was too boring for me. It was, it was like songs my parents would sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Yeah, it was nice, but it was like a granny song in my opinion. You know what I, mean? I wanted the more guitar songs and the, the great rhythm songs. But as I get older, <laughs> I begin to value it is all about Jesus. You know, as a young Christian, I'm attracted to the life of Jesus. As a young Christian, I'm attracted to the victory of Jesus. But as I get, become an older Christian, I'm attracted to the person of Jesus. It's amazing, friends. That's the way growth happens. We're enamored by attributes of God, his power, his love, his kindness, but his person. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his glorious face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And this is the reforming message all the time. Go back to the cross. Go back to Christ. Go back to the only message that we have, friends. We are a one-trick pony. That's all I can tell you, friends. We know nothing other than Christ Jesus and him crucified. We have no other message to give anybody. We have no other hope. My predictions about the coronavirus are the doctors. Who cares, friends? I'm one of 7.2 billion people. You get better odds doing the lottery. But turn your eyes upon Jesus. Keep your eyes focused upon him. Preach the gospel in season and out of season. Oh, I can't do it. Yes, you can. You have an internet. Throw it on the right side of the boat, friends. Invite them into church. Set up watch parties. Pick up a phone. Call people. Send texts about Jesus. Preach Christ. That's what the world is doing with their, with their false Christianity, with their antichrist. It's time for a church to start laying hold of the opportunity. Laying hold of the opportunity. Go up the mountain, go back, get wood, start building the temple. It's interesting. The Lord stirred up the heart of the people and they laid hold of it. And that work began again. It started to revive after 16 years of being dormant. 16 years. They could have had that, that temple built in four years. It took them 20 odd years and they finished to build it. 
because of their backsliddenness and whatever, into their tepidness and their selfishness. But there's a stirring again. There's a building again. God stirred up the heart of Zerubbabel. God stirred up the heart of Haggai and the remnant of the people. And as a result of going up that mountain, and I want to tell you, friends, when you begin to examine the salvation of Christ, how he's bought you, how he has laid his hand upon you, when you start stripping away all the things in your life, and you have to strip them away because they're going to get stripped away anyhow. People are going to get stripped away from you. Children are going to get stripped away from you. Your sons and your daughters who love you now, they'll always love you, but they'll find their own husbands and wives, their own children, their own lives. They won't have the same time. The, partner, the, the, the one that you love now may go ahead of you. You may go before them. The health that you have, you won't always have. The money you have, you may not always have. But I want to tell you, friends, you can always have the purposes of God. You can always have that sense of conviction that I know why, why I am. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm about. I'm about the master's work. Pastor Hamp bought that word there a week ago or so about Christ being undeterred. I must be about my father's business. Oh, I think it dovetails with this because that's exactly what I'm saying here, friends. This is all about building the kingdom. And we can recoil and we can, we can comfort one another. And we should comfort one another in the midst of, a, midst of a pandemic. But don't comfort us out of a fight. Comfort us in the midst of the fight. Amen. Don't comfort you. Oh, well, I understand why you can't make prayer. I understand why you can't get up and open up your device and bring your family together on a Sunday morning and just worship even in the spirit with the people. I no, I don't understand that, friends. And I don't understand it when my own flesh, I understand that it's a fleshly action. It's a backslidden heart. And don't enter this new 2021 with such a spirit gripping you. It will dog you. It will bring you to naught. It will bring you to be ineffectual for the kingdom of God. And you will be ending up just as Haggai's people. You will have sown much and you'll bring in little. You'll eat and you'll never be full. You'll drink and you'll never be satisfied. You'll clothe yourselves and you'll always be wondering you'll have enough money to buy this or buy that. You're watching your wages. You're putting into bags with holes. It's just going. Because your life is all about those very materialistic, silly things, friends. Jesus said, don't worry about these things. After these things, they're, they're ungodly. They, they chase after, but ye, he says, seek ye first. Matthew 6, 23. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Your heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask. Do you think for one second that you're going to suffer or I'm going to suffer loss in the real sense, friends, because we seek to honor the kingdom of God? As we go into a year when our world is falling apart with fear, where men and women are gripped, when people are inept, when there's no solutions within government, friends, when everybody now is fallen, every hero, as I said, has fallen. There is only one name, friends, and it's always above every other name. It's the name of Jesus. Do you think you're going to really suffer loss by casting all your lot in with him? By saying that 2021 is a year for me to go up that mountain, to get back to Calvary and to make known the gospel of Jesus Christ any way and every way I can. Not just in declaring it and preaching it, especially that way, but also in living in the victory of Calvary. Chapter 2 says in the seventh month of the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai second time, the prophet saying, Speak now to the Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, the governor of Judea, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you 
who saw this temple in its former glory, and how do you now see it? And so there's a word coming. People are energized. People have been stirred. They're back up the mountain. They're getting wood. They're going back into Jerusalem. They're rebuilding the temple. And there's this, this sense of accomplishment. God is moving. But there's also those within the ranks that, you know, they're, they're, they're playing along with it, but they're not really with the program, friends. They're second-guessing every step along the way because as that temple is beginning to get built, you have those who are a bit older who remember what the other temple looked like. They remember, well, you know, this temple, that's yeah, grand, okay, fair enough. It's a poor substitute. I suppose it's a substitute. It's not as big. It's not as grandiose as Solomon's temple. And so there was this discouragement that some were laying within the endeavors of others. And God was beginning to unroot that. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to do that with us. Because there is a temptation in the middle of a pandemic for us to miss what God is doing. And to say, oh, well, it's not as good as, as it was, friends. Oh, it's not the same. We can't come in as a body. Uh, you know, this is very artificial. Watching online. And I want to say there can be something in that observation that lacks faith, friends. And lacks to see what God is doing. And God is in control of this pandemic. And God is in control of this world. Make no bones about it, friends. He is sovereign. He is overall. This is the plan of God. Whether you like it or I like it, I don't like this in the natural. But I have to not look at things in the natural. Amen. I have to see things as God sees it. Amen. And so he asks him the question. He says, those of you, how does it compare? Is this not in your eyes nothing? Now, this is what's happening, friends. The temple is getting rebuilt. There is a revival going on. There are some there. They caught hold of the vision. The Spirit has, has awakened them again to their purpose. But there's some in that midst. And there's, oh, well, you know, it's not as big. It's not as fancy. It's not as nice. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And be strong, all the people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you. I want to say that the second time I said it this morning. No, the second time God has said it in the scripture. I am with you. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains strong among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts once more, in a little while, I will shake the heaven and the earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts, and the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And I can't help but take that as prophetically for this time's church, friends, for the time and the hour that we live in. Many can say, oh, we just want it as it was back in, in 2019. We just want that. Now, listen, friends, God has brought this about. Amen. 
And God says in the midst of this pandemic, if you would only go up the mountain in your home today, open the word of God and begin to draw the presence of God down. If you and your family are on your own in your bedsit or wherever you are, begin to go back up that mountain with the intention of promoting the kingdom, of preaching the gospel and living for God, that God would send his Holy Spirit friends and that the glory of the latter church would be greater than the former. That's the battle. The battle is to believe that he is in control. And when he's finished, friends, when this pandemic has passed, that there will be visible move of the Spirit, friends, unparalleled in our time. God is already shaking the heavens. He's already shaking the world. Everything that can be shaken has been shaken, friends. But there's only one thing that withstands the counsel of the Lord. And here we are in the middle of a global crisis that we haven't seen in a hundred years, God is saying, the glory of the latter temple, hallelujah, the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the former. Oh, there are some of those friends, when you read on, I won't read on the text, there's only a couple of chapters if you want to read it this evening when you're in your home, do it, it's well worth reading. And it goes on and it talks about when they dedicated that temple, and the praises of those who caught the vision started to rise up. But then the tears of those detractors who, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a poor substitute. You know, that sort of brigade. Everything was always about yesterday. Oh, I remember in Sister So-and-So's house when there was, we were all gathered and the power of God was, I've never experienced. Listen, friends, the glory of the latter will be greater than the former. The past can swallow up nothing. We're not meant to be doting upon a golden age of the past. We are meant to be believing for a golden age to come. Amen. Not living in the past, not living back there, but living right now, knowing that we are in the plan of God, in the hand of God, in the purposes of God, and that we are yielding to those purposes. And as we yield to those purposes, can you believe with me? Can you join your faith with my faith as a church, as a body, as a congregation and trust God in that in 2021 that the glory of God will break out in a way that we've never, ever seen it before, friends. That God will reach millions of people. It's not about you. It's about that lost world. It's not about me. It's not about preserving my life. Jesus said, the man that wants to save his life is going to lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake will keep it. And I want to challenge you and I want to challenge me that just, and I know we are in a difficult time, a time of sorrow. Don't lose your concentration. Build the kingdom. Preach the gospel. Make ways, find ways. Trust the Holy Spirit. Be led of God. Make it front and center of your life. No excuses. No recoiling. No retreating into your paneled house. No false spiritual assessments. This is not the right time. It is the right time, friends. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. This is a time to declare. This is a time to believe. This is not, not a time for us to shrink back, friends. This is a time for us to advance. I spoke with Pastor Carter last night. We had a wonderful conversation. He's going to be preaching for us in a couple of weeks' time. And he said in the last couple of months alone in Times Square Church, over a thousand people have given their heart to Christ. They're having difficulty discipling people online. People, people friends, who don't know the Lord are coming to the Lord. 
You can't be sitting back and saying, oh, well, it's, you know, I missed this and I missed that. We've moved from that now, friends. Who knows when we'll get back as a body physically, but we are a body in the spirit. We are united, friends, not by nice red chairs and a nice building of Cork Church. We're united in purpose. We are united in the spirit, friends. We have the blood of Jesus flowing through us, God. We have the word of God coming fast and rapid to our hearts this morning, provoking us, centering us, focusing us. Go back up the mountain. Get the goods, friends. Go back and build, preach Christ Jesus and him crucified. Live as if today was the last day of your lives, as if Jesus was coming back tomorrow. Shed yourselves of foolish sin and practices. Any old feuds you have, put an end to them. Go and get it right, friends. Live as if Jesus was coming back tomorrow, as if this was the only opportunity left to serve him, friends. And the day after that, live the same way. Go and preach, and I believe, and I have to believe, friends, because my natural man says, no, I like a full auditorium. I like all my brothers and sisters around me. I'm going to have that one day forever in heaven. But God is doing something new. Behold, I do something new among you. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will make even streams in the desert. Be aware of it, friends. Seek ye first the kingdom. I've quoted and I'm going to finish with it. Let me go from 31, Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need. And that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. May God help you to have proper concentration. Not to fall into indifference. Not to fall into a sulk. Not to fall into a pity party. Not to just be pampering your flesh. And putting an extra 50 pounds over a pandemic. Share your bread with people. Volunteer. Help. Preach. Come into feed court. Give some hours. Pick up a phone. Ask Pastor Ham, what can I do? Even in a, you know, we, we can, if we are doing essential services, there's loads of things you can do, friends. You can pour your life out like a drink offering. You can live in a glorious way for the king. You can see the kingdom come and his will be done in your life. This could be a wonderful year. This could be a year that selfishness is put to the sword and selflessness will reign. And you see the glory of God as it did come in Haggai's second temple. Oh, I'm telling you the glory of God to see. See, God says this is not about the temple. It's not about the edifice. It's about the person of Christ visiting your life. The glory of God breaking out in your life. Let that be your testimony. When, if God gives us another year and we have another New Year's Eve, I don't know about even tomorrow. We're not promised it. But should he give us a New Year's Eve for a 2022? May it be said of you and your family that 21 was a year that we saw the glory of God greater than what we've ever seen it before. Oh, we miss Cork Church. We miss being in house together. But we have not missed the presence of God. We have not but experienced his hand upon us every single day. And we've seen God moving in us and through us. That first church 
in the book of Acts, when she was launched in the spirit, friends, they got so comfortable that God had to send a persecution. They would have all stayed in Jerusalem and a holy huddle. How wonderful this Pentecost experience has been. Wow, this is amazing. Let's just stay, stay here. And God threw a bomb in the midst of it and it spread that Christian church to the Roman Empire. And I want to tell you, friends, the internet is going on the right side of the boat now because tens of thousands are hearing the gospel. Direct them. Point them to Christ. Preach the gospel in season and out of season. And trust God that the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the former. And I pray that for you and for me. I pray that for 2021. I pray that you will move out of your indifference, your slothfulness, your backsliddenness, your confusion, your selfishness. You start living for God, giving for God. Be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.